Good morning, Low Country. Welcome to another episode of Caregiving 101. This is your homeboy, Reverend Odell Cleveland from West of Ashley. Listen, I'm excited this morning to talk to you about the hospital. The subject we're going to use this morning is the hospital. As a caregiver, you understand the importance of the hospital and all the complications and everything that goes along with it. But like always, before we get started, we're going to dip it. We're going to sprinkle it. We're going to baptize it. We're just going to cover it with the Word of God. So at this time, will you please join me in a prayer before we get started? Let us pray. Father God, we come to you this morning in the precious name of Jesus Christ. God, we know as caregivers, we deal with so much every day. And just the whole idea of going to the hospital, navigating, negotiating, getting the information, sharing with other family members, sometime, God, it could be overwhelming or it seems overwhelming. So we ask you to just cover us with the precious blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we pray and believe. Amen. Our scripture this morning is coming from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. And again, I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. And we're dealing with the parables of the Good Samaritan. Many of you are familiar with this, but we're going to look at it from a different perspective this morning. And it reads thusly, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And, you know, we're going to rest right there in the scriptures, and I'm going to ask the question of you, who is your neighbor? Who is the neighbor of the caregiver? And the reason I ask this question is we understand that people are concerned about the person who's in the hospital. They'll call and say how they're doing, how's mama, how's daddy, how's brother, you know, all this kind of stuff. But who's concerned about the caregiver who's taking care of the person in the hospital. You know, this past week, I had a dear friend of mine who was in the hospital, so I spent a, a lot of time there, and, and the whole idea of going to the hospital, coming and going, parking, what parking space, what parking decks, what level in the decks, or do we use valet parking? We see the interest signs, we see the exit signs, we see the parking fees, no parking fees. Then you have the visitors, and now all of a sudden, you find yourself as the caregiver, as the coordinator and the explainer in chief. Let me explain that again. You find yourself as being the person who's giving out all information, interpreting everything, and even to help explain to people how they find the room, because a hospital is almost like a maze in so many questions, because now... Do you deal with day surgery or surgery surgery or now the surgeon comes in and talk to you, the doctor comes in and talk to you, the nurse come in and talk to you, the nerve technician comes in and talk to you, you dealing with the CNA, you dealing with the food person or the cleanup person, even the person who come to draw the blood, you know, when they come in with those needles and you have to take the meds and you have to check the vitals and then you deal with the first shift people, the second shift people, you just deal with folks. 
Now, as a caregiver, I know you're not complaining. I understand it. But however, you're saying you have to interpret all of that for other family members, for other guests, for other people asking you the question, asking you, how's this? What's this? Explaining all this to you. And you're sitting there saying, listen, I'm doing the best I can. Because there's so many stimulus in the hospital. You got the sights, the sounds, the beeping of the monitors. And anyone who spent any time in the hospital understand the knock-knock. For you all who don't understand, the knock-knock is the constant people coming in and out of the doors. Knock-knock coming in. A parade of people. And I was sitting there and I was just thinking to myself, is no rest for the weary. And definitely no rest in the hospital. Not for the patient or the caregiver. And again, the question is, who is your neighbor? How's the neighbor of the caregiver? And we're going to go back to the scriptures because this is important because we think we know, we believe we know, we want to believe we know, but the evidence is right here found in the scripture. In replying to Jesus, a man was coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out his money and gave them to the innkeeper. Looking after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have occurred. When he saw him, the question I'm asking you, when he said, the Samaritan, when he saw him, who's seen you? Who see you as a caregiver struggling? Who sees you needing help? And was it the priest who sees you? Is the Levite who see you? Is the Samaritan who sees you? Because there's a question for the caregiver, who's passing on the other side when you're sitting in there trying to do the best you can? Who took pity on you? And I know a lot of cases we're like, I don't want nobody taking pity on me. But let's wait a minute because the Bible says the good Samaritan took pity on the person in need. So let's go back and re-examine the definition of pity because sometimes we may have this the wrong way. So the pity I'm talking about, the definition reads like this, the feeling of sorrow or compassion caused by the suffering and misfortunes of others. The feelings, let me repeat that again, the feelings of sorrow and compassion caused by the suffering and misfortunes of others. And, you know, we could compare that with the whole compassion or condolences or sympathy, feelings and understanding, because in short, you know, we have to say we need people who care about us. And we say, nah, we don't want nobody. You know, we address that argument again. I don't want any help. Well, let's come. Let's. Oh, Montreal. Let, let's visit that again. 
we understand CPR. You know, CPR is short for cardio pulmonary mistake. CPR is short for cardio pulmonary resuscitation. We understand that. When an emergency procedure occurs in which the heart and the lungs are made to work by compressing the chest, overlying the heart, and forcing air into the lungs. So we know CPR is used to maintain circulation when the heart has stopped pumping on its own. So we're not saying, wait a minute, if something happens to us, we don't want anyone to have pity on us. We don't want someone to see that we are in a distressful situation and we need help. So we're not going to reject CPR. But at the same time, we said, listen, we're going to do 911. Call 911. When I was young, we used to call it the ambulance. Now they call it EMS or first responders. But the Bible says that the hospital here was the end. He took the individual who had fell into the hands of thieves to the end. Said, which of these three do you think was a good neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law said the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, now let's think about this. The man asked the question, who is thy neighbor? Now, anyone knows the scripture knows that when you start talking about, you know, the whole thing with the priest, you know, we have priestly people. And I'm not hating on church folk because I am church folk. We have priestly people, but sometimes church folk don't always show the compassion, show the fact that they want to help come in there because we're talking about the hospital. We're talking about the inn. And then we have other folks like the Levites, people who, who know you, a part of you, and they don't always show up. But the Samaritan here is the person that usually Samaritans and the Jews didn't have anything to do with each other because the Jews saw the Samaritan as not quite equal to them saw them as maybe someone who really wasn't up to them. You know how sometimes in society we see certain people and we don't always agree with those people because we think that we're better than them. But in this case, they call it the Good Samaritan because this person saw pity and went out of their way. When other people go on the other side, when other people walk away from you, when other people act like they don't know what's happening, when they see you're struggling, that's when you have to decide who's your neighbor. Not precon preconceived conditions that who's going to be your neighbor, but the question was, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands? We talked last week about let's have a party or a caregiver family meeting, and we talked about who should attend, what family member should attend. So my question is, do we invite the Levite? Do we invite the priest? Or we'd invite the Samaritan because we have to have a family meeting to talk about the hospital, how things have changed. And then next point, we said, how should the meeting begin? We talked about technology, that if we have to do FaceTime or we have to do Skype or we have to do Google Hangout or we have to do all these other things. And the fact that we have to prepare an agenda so people don't come to the meeting and feel like you Ambush them. Let people know. Send the agenda out ahead of time so other people can look at the agenda for the meeting because this is serious stuff and see if they need to add something or take something away so they'll be prepared for the questions. And then we talked about the meeting itself. 
Where's the meeting going to be held? How do we create a safe space for open discussions? And the fact that we just don't jump to solving the problems, but we allow everybody to express their opinion because everyone in the meeting has a role in the meeting, including the person who's being taken care of. So you can't just say mom or daddy don't know what they're talking about. Yes, they do. They have to have a role because we're trying to find a solution. You know, we're going to make sure that agreements and responsibilities are clear. So when we leave the meeting, everybody understands what we're trying to do. And we talk about the potential challenges. We know that we have all kind of challenges here, that a lot of different stuff is going to happen. We know that. So we're going to anticipate those challenges because we know it's not easy. Taking care of someone is not easy. We understand that because we know certain people in our family, they respond differently. There's a whole lot of emotional baggage that we have from our history. You know, people start talking about, well, I remember when we were in the third grade and all that. We don't have time for that right now. I understand that's important and you have to get that out of your chest. But right now we're saying, how are we gonna take care of mama? How are we gonna take care of daddy? We just got a report from the doctor and I understand whose report are you gonna believe. I get all that. But we have to talk about these bills. We got to talk about what happened. We're gonna talk about what are we gonna do moving forward because what we don't wanna do is get to a point where it's a win-win situation. We want a win-win situation, and sometimes we have to try working toward a general agreement rather than a perfect solution. So what we don't want to do is wait till we have a perfect solution because usually you don't get a perfect solution. So my question again, who would you invite, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan? In this case, call it a good Samaritan. Remember? Maybe it's a good cousin. Maybe it's good white people. Maybe it's good black people. Maybe it's good old people. Maybe it's good young people. Maybe it's good church folk. Maybe it's a good coworker. You know, who are you going to invite? Who's the neighbor? Who's going to help you? Because whether you believe it or not, you need help. You can't do it all. And next thing you will know, instead of you being the caregiver, taking care of mama, granddaddy, people are going to have to be taking care of you too. So you have to watch the people. When I go to the hospital, you sit there and you watch the people. You watch the way they're walking in the hospital, up and down the halls, or some of my educated people will say, up and down the corridors. I know the word is educated. I said educated. That's that Geechee in me. But now all of a sudden, if you say the corridors, I know what a hospital corridor is. I know a corridor is a long passage in a building from which doors lead into rooms. I get that. But I like saying halls. When you walk down those hospital halls, they're clean, they're spotless. You got signs everywhere. You have the directions everywhere. And when you watch the people walking, they're walking fast. They're walking slow. They're rushing. They're dreading. They're waiting. They're debating. Are we going to go to stairs? Are we going to go to elevator? Some of them look like they're lost. Some of them look like they're found. Some of them looking for directions. Others need instructions. 
and many are not saying a word because the pressure and the stress of a family member, the pressure and the stress of a caregiver, the pressure and the stress of what's going on. When I walk down the halls, I see people crying. And I don't know if they're crying because they just got the news that mama passed or daddy passed. I don't know if they're crying because they realize that the family is being the function. I don't know what they're crying about. I don't know if these are tears of joy, tears of sadness, because when the pressure hits as a caregiver, as a family, Family member in the hospital when the doctor says I don't know when they call in hospice when they say to yourself we've done all we can do who's your neighbor so when you think about the hospital when you think about the end when you think about all the thing that's going on when you see the body language and you see them deep in thought coming and going on the cell phones praying you know good news bad news look at the people's faces because the faces is telling it all. They're tired, they're weary, they're happy, they're sad, they're glad, they're mad. And you sit there in the hospital, you see generations of people together. You see the young, you see the old, you see gray hair, you see no hair. And who cares? Because now we need to come together as a family. We need to support the caregivers. We need to support the one who need care. We need to interpret. We need to understand what's the doctor really saying. We have to ask the hard questions to the doctor and be willing to accept the answers. But we also understand that prayer changes much. We see people sitting in sunrooms. We see people sitting in the chapels. We see people in the gift shop, the bathrooms, the smoking areas, the sitting areas, the sun deck, the parking deck. People are everywhere trying to figure it all out. Then you receive the good news. They're going to be released to go home. And that's good news. That's a celebration until one says it's home ready for them. We spend a lot of time as grandparents child-proofing and child-protecting our homes. But how much time do we spend turning our home into a hospital room? You know, we talk over and over and over for the last couple of months on the episode. We talk about time. As a caregiver, we understand that there's an appointed time, a time when it will come to pass that either you're going to be a caregiver and taking care of someone else or someone is going to be taking care of you. So we know that it's going to be an appointed time. And then we go from there to a period of time. How long will it last? How long will I be a caregiver? How long will somebody take care of me? So that's the period of time. And then we ask the question, will we feel guilty or will we feel relieved when our time as a caregiver is over? Will we feel guilty? Or will we feel relieved when our time as a caregiver is over? You know, the whole thing with this scripture, when we talk about the good Samaritan and Jesus said, which one is the good Samaritan? Then you have to ask yourself the question too. Who's helping me? If I ask anybody to help me, what role do all this do I play in this? Do I aggravate the situation with certain family members? Or I'm a blessing to help with the situation with certain family members? 
because it's enough stress, y'all. It's enough stress going on all around, so we have to be careful. And as church folk, we have to make sure that we understand that we need each other's help. But I get it. We don't want everybody in our business. I get that. And every family member may not come with the right intentions. I understand that too. However, in the scripture, every Samaritan wasn't bad. So the Bible says, Jesus says in the parable, the good Samaritan. So again, we have to find the good family member. We have to find the good coworker. We have to find the good person who's willing to help. We have to go through that. But in all our searching on finding the good person, let's make sure that we are of good character ourselves. And then when the person comes from the hospital, that's usually the hard part. I could talk a little bit about my family. It was hard when my mother was first released because we wasn't prepared. And then you get prepared. And once you get prepared, then that situation doesn't change. So when we talk about the times again, listen, it's an appointed time, but it doesn't change. The duration of time doesn't change. And when you feel guilty or relieved. The Levite, the priest. We get disappointed with church folks sometimes, caregivers. Because grandma, grandpa has served the church for 99 years. And sometimes it looked like the sick and shut-in list never gets to you. One of the things I would suggest that in churches, let's have a caregiving ministry. Beyond sick and shut-in, let's find trusted, good Samaritan, good folk in the church who's willing to come and sit with mama, sit with daddy, who we could trust and give us a reprieve, give us some hours to go just to relax or go shopping or take care of some responsibilities because that's part of ministry. That's part of ministry because the good Samaritan, what he did, he was almost like the co-payer of the policy of one's insurance policy per se, where he was telling the innkeeper, listen, here's what I've done. I showed pity on this person, so I've banded their wounds. I put oil in it. I put wine in it. So I, I got him up. I put him on my beast. I put him in my car. I got him to where he needed to get to. And here's the money I have, but I need you to take care of this person. So I have to leave now. But when I come back, I'll reimburse you for any additional costs. So who's in the family willing to help pay the bills? Who's in the family willing to help keep this thing going? Who's in the family willing to do their part? We say this all the time, you know, with my mother. My mother is a divorced single mother who raised four kids. And what I say is that if one mother could raise four kids, put them through college and successful individuals, then can't three, because my sisters went on to be at the Lord now, can three grown kids take care of one mother when my mother took care of four kids? And so I say that to you all. It's many family members out there. Mom did all this for you. Dad did all this for you. They struggled. They made provisions. They believed in you. They had you believe in yourself. So they took care of all of you all. Can all of you all come together to take care of one mother, to take care of one father, to take care of one loved one, to take care of grandma, to take care of grandpa? Because you know who your neighbor is. You know what the Samaritan was. You know that traveling down the Damascus Road, anything could happen to any of us. 
And if you're willing to do unto others as you want to do unto yourself, then the scripture is clear what we must do. We understand the sacrifice. We understand the sandwich generation. We understand that it's hard. Yes, it's hard. But Jesus went on the cross for us. The Garden of Gethsemane, we understood. Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. And then he said, but not my will, but thy will be done. So it's not always our will, but thy will be done. God, how do we get ourselves in this situation? Well, it's part of living. It's called life. I don't want to be a caregiver. You are a caregiver. It's too hard. Must Jesus bear the cross alone? God, family members not helping. God got your back. God, I don't have any money. God will make a way. God, I don't understand it. It's not for you to understand at this time. God, I need help. The Holy Spirit will come and comfort you. God is just not fair. Life is not fair, but God understands what you're doing. It's ministry. And what I will say to you, caregivers, I get ready to close. One of the things that we have to understand is that people are here to help us. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy by not allowing people to help us. God will send a ram in the bush for you. God will send someone in the church who will have pity on you. But pity is not always a negative thing. Compassion, someone who cares about you, someone who has feeling with you, someone who knows that you're struggling, someone who understands that you need help, someone that may slip you $50 or slip you $25 or something. You say, well, I don't want any charity. Look at it as not charity. Look at it as love. You know, the scripture makes it very clear, and I'll go back and revisit when it talks about what Jesus told the man in reply, because remember now, this was an expert. He talked about the expert in the law. So a lot of times when we have people who come to us, when I talk about evaluating who's your neighbor, who's the good Samaritan, who's the good cousin, who's the person who want to help you versus the one who just want to be in your business, a lot of times we have to look at it from a perspective of this person came and questioned Jesus. He said, teacher, Almost like he want to know, because sometimes people talk to you like they want to know and they question you like you on a witness stand and almost like you're in court versus them questioning you for information purposes that they want a better understanding. So when people come and question you, say to yourself, is this person questioning me like I'm a witness stand being nosy or is this person asking questions for a better understanding so they can understand what's going on and they're willing to help? Now, that's what the spirit of the sermon and with common sense. So you have to go that route as a caregiver. Now, the man was a mind of his own business. Sometimes the person who needs help who you care for is minding their own business and illness fell upon them or they got in an accident or something like that and you were minding your own business and someone said, you have to care for mama, you have to care for daddy. And the thing about this person is they said that then they stripped him of his clothes. 
beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, think about it. If they took his clothes, obviously, this person must be a person of ways and means because they had to have he had to have something on that other people wanted. So they took his clothes. They took his valuables. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Again, how many other people are happen to be going down your road? How many people are visiting you? How many people are calling? How many people in the hospital? And he said he saw the man. He saw what was happening. Again, how many people see what's happening with you? Then he passed on the other side. Let's just say you had to go from one side of the road way to the other side, a big old loop just to get away. So you said, listen, I don't want nothing to do with that. Yeah, I see you struggling taking care of mama. I see you struggling taking care of daddy. So I'm going to call probably on a Sunday for about 10 or 15 minutes, ask how things going, and then I'm hanging up the phone. That's equivalent in some ways to going on the other side of the road. Then it says, a little while later, Levite, another person showed up who you think should have, would have been able to help, did the same thing. They went on the other side of the road. Don't want anything to do it. I see it. I know it. I know it needs help. But then all of a sudden, the Samaritan, the person who you least suspected to help you, the person who you thought wasn't doing you any good. That's the person who God sent to help you. God sent a certain person to help you. It wasn't the person who you thought would help you, but it's the person who God sent. Again, we just want to say thank you. Let's end it in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to preach your word to those who are struggling, God. God, we understand Caregiving 101 is the ministry to take care of those who take care of others. God, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for all the feedback that we're getting and all the encouraging words. So, God, continue to allow this to open up doors for tough conversations around family members. So, God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray and believe. Amen. Again, thank you for joining me today for another episode of Caregiving 101. And we say thank you to our sponsors, Mr. David Bobo Warren and others. So again, text me, email me, let me know what's going on. And we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you and God bless.